This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Actually, it's going to be Pastor Nancy Dufresne, so stay tuned because she is really good. I'm going to start a direction that God has been dealing with me about in uh, recent months, and that is on the subject uh, that we're going to look at in Psalms chapter 8. So go with me to Psalms chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Psalms chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 4. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4. And it reads, what is man? Look at this next phrase, thou art mindful of him. You're in the thoughts of God. His thoughts are full of you. God is mindful of you. And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou, for God, has made man a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, the word there is not the word for angels. The word there is Elohim. It's the word for God. So it's a wrong translation that uses the word angels. It should read, for God has made man a little lower than himself. We're in the same class of being as God. We're spirit beings. And those of us that are born again had the life and nature of God in us. Think of it. We share his nature. God has made man a little lower than himself and has crowned man with glory and honor. Look at this. God made man to have dominion. God made man to have dominion. Over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. You were made for dominion. You were made to be in front. You were made to be on top. What's that mean? Not necessarily on top of people, on top of circumstances. On top of any challenge that comes, you come out in the front. Thou hast made him. He made you to have dominion. If something is made for you, it fits you like nothing else. My mother was a beautiful seamstress. You know, years ago, people made their clothes. Did you young people know that? <laughs> there, there were these things called sewing machines. They look at them as antique equipment now, but they, it, was a, it was a fixture of my home growing up. And everything, my mother was a beautiful seamstress, beautiful work. Um, and in fact, others that if I told you their names, you would know them, uh, would ask her to make them things. And she'd say, nope. Because they thought, well, she'll be impressed that I'm asking. She wasn't impressed at all. Because she knew the work involved. And uh, my whole school career until I left to go to college, I never had one store-bought dress my whole life. The only store-bought dress I had As a senior, I bought a skirt that was on sale for half of half price. That was, and it was a thin pinstripe green and white. That was my only store-bought outfit until I left home to go to college at the age of 17. My mother made everything for all four kids and for her and my dad. She could make a man's suit. She could make a 
she could make, you, you could do, uh, she could make, uh, you, you probably never heard of this, I think it was called Jordash jeans or something that had the gold loop stitching on the pocket. She could do that. It looked just like it. My brother, it was so funny, my brother, he was real conscious of, you know, he wanted something nice and he wouldn't wear the stuff she made him because it didn't have a certain tag in it. He wanted a certain company. He got, he got that mentality at college somewhere, you know, he was trying to... Uh, wear it. And so she would cut those tags out and sew them in his shirts and he never had any idea. I don't know if today if he even knew that. But that's how beautifully she sewed. Of course, I kind of thought, you know, since I grew up like that and I had things that nobody else had, you know, uh, but I will say this, you know, she thought I had more than I had because I was ending up wearing my sister's stuff so much of the time. So at the end of every school day, my sister and I had, it, had a knockdown drag out because she'd come in and see me wearing her clothes. And uh, because I didn't have much. And when my sister went off to, to college, mother walked in and said, where are your clothes? Because I had like two things hanging in my closet. I said, they're hanging there. I've been telling you I didn't have anything. She goes, but the closet was full. I said, yes, my sister had it all. And it was hers. And so she got real busy and started making me some clothes. And um, they were beautifully made. They were unlike anybody else's. And they fit like nothing else fit because it was made for me. And I was a little bit different looking back then. A little, like thinner. I mean, I was a stick. I couldn't even gain weight till I was 38. And I, 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 I wish I could have held on to that a little bit longer. <laughs> but I couldn't go into stores and buy things easily because I was thin and tall. I'm five foot 10, you know. And uh, so when she, would, when she would sew for me, it fit me like nothing else fit me. I could go in and put on something else in the store, but it didn't fit me the same. That's right. God made us for dominion. It fits us. Come on. Anything less than on top doesn't fit us. We weren't made to be below. We weren't made to be at the bottom of a circumstance. We weren't made to be at the bottom financially. We weren't made to be at the bottom in our health. We weren't made to be at the bottom uh, buried down under depression and worry. We weren't made for those things. We were made for dominion. We were made to be on top. This word, when you see this word dominion, you think of this word dominate. Yes. We were made to dominate circumstances. We were not made to be dominated by circumstances. We weren't made to be pushed around by the things that rob from other people. It doesn't fit us. And if we're not careful, we end up wearing our whole life what never fit. My best friends and I, they didn't have, their mothers didn't sew for them. And so they would go to the store and buy something. And I wanted something bought from a store so bad. <laughs> you always want what you don't have when you're, especially when you're a kid, you don't appreciate all that. And I, I wanted something from a store so bad. And I, I remember that I'd trade off things with my friends. You know, you, you get me, let me wear this blouse and you can wear this blouse. You know, and we'd trade stuff. And, uh... Mother had come out, and, and I was the type that mother always looked at me before I left the house. She paid attention. And if she didn't like the what she saw, get back in the house. And I would have on something that, was, that my friend owned. And she'd go, I didn't buy that for you. I didn't make that for you. Why are you wearing that? Well, it's my friend. She said, uh-uh, that doesn't fit you. That doesn't fit right. You go in and you take that off. Too many times, the Holy Spirit would love to remind us, that doesn't look good on you. Come on. That, that strife in your home doesn't look good in your family. Uh, that, that worry, no, 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 that doesn't fit you. And mother made me take it off. 
When you get your mind renewed, a, reni a renewed mind refuses to wear what doesn't fit. And if we're allowing ourselves to go through this life wearing something that doesn't fit, it shows that we need to further renew our minds. Because we're putting up with something that hangs on us wrong. And it, when you wear something that doesn't fit, usually you're the last one to see it, but everyone around you can see. That don't look good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We were made for dominion. And if we're not walking on top and living at the top, uh, then we're not being true to who we were made to be. Praise the Lord. Amen. Part of our inheritance in Christ, of course, it's prosperity. Of course, it's peace, it's joy, it's health. But another flow and a major flow of our inheritance is dominion. And really, we can't experience all the other flows of our inheritance unless we're walking in our dominion. Because if we're not walking in our dominion, things will come in and set up shop in your house and in your life that shouldn't be there. It's dominion that keeps sickness out. It's dominion that keeps lack out. It's dominion that keeps out worry and fear and depression and mental harassment. Amen. You have to say no to things. And if you don't, if you lay down your dominion, things will set up shop and start living in your house and take over your house and treat you like you shouldn't be treated in your own house. My mother used to say this with the four kids. She says, my life is too short to live with four kids I can't live with. <laughs> In other words, she let us know, you're not wrecking my life. I've got to live with you, you've got to live with me. Come on. And you're not wrecking the, life, the one life I have. That's good. <laughs> she knew how to walk in dominion and under her parental authority. And because of that, we had a, we had a sweet home. And we had good lives and the three of us ended up, three out of the four of us ended up being pastors. And my one sister was active in her local church and a school teacher for years. But that became because somebody in our house knew their dominion and walked in it. The parental authority protected us and kept us safe. When we just in the natural, when we don't walk in our proper parental authority, our children are at risk. We put our children at risk when we don't have that watchful parental eye exercising our authority. I remember when I got ready to go to junior high, of course, back then, that's seventh grade and up. I guess it's still that. And my mother gave me her authority to spend. And she did it this way. She said, if somebody ever asks you to go somewhere you don't want to go, do something you don't want to do, but they're pressuring you because they're your age. She said, I authorize you to spend this statement. My mother said, I can't. That's good. She said, even if you didn't, I didn't even know about it, you are authorized to spend that statement. My mother said, I can't. She gave me her authority to spend when I needed it to keep me safe. That was her, her way of keeping me safe when she wasn't present. That was one way that she used. And I tell you what, we are given that same authority. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's the same exact thing. We're authorized to spend the authority that, God, that Jesus made ours. We don't have to wait for him to show up and do something. He authorized us to take that statement and spend it anytime we need it. Just as my, uh, my mother authorized me to take that statement and spend it anytime I needed it. Amen. So every day, every day, every day of your life, exercise yourself in authority. Exercise yourself in dominion. If you're not, you're going to get behind. 
you're going to get behind something you shouldn't be behind. Something will step out in front of you and start trying to lead and start trying to push your life around. Because every day something shows up that you have to push back out of the way. You say, well, what do you mean? What, what, just what about thoughts? Thoughts are going to try to come every day. Thoughts of an unrenewed mind. <laughs> Amen. Thoughts of what somebody else said. Thoughts of what the enemy suggests to you. Thoughts that come from circumstances that are facing you and circumstances try to talk to you. Every day you're going to have to say, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if we don't answer things, things start stacking up in our life against our dominion one by one. And we don't even realize before long we've got a whole dog pile on top of our life and don't know how we got there. It's because of not every day exercising our dominion and our authority. I'm not talking about being devil conscious. I'm not talking about running around talking about the devil. I'm talking about anything that isn't of the flow of the spirit of life is to be resisted. Because there's a flow of sin and death in this world that we're, that we're, we're walking through this place. And it's all around us. But it has no right in our life. It has no right setting up shop in our family or in our home. But it will try. And every day of your life, you're going to have to pay attention. And if you're paying attention, you're using your authority. I remember when my, my oldest son, who's now 36, um, he was so busy growing up. And Ed was, Ed was gone so much of the time. And so Stephen and I were left together at home. And I had him 24 hours a day. And that was fine with me. I mean, I could handle it. It wasn't too much. But I didn't pile on anymore till he was nine. I thought, that's all. I, he was such a handful. He wasn't bad. He was busy. And there's a difference. He kept me going all the time. But I guarantee you, every day, dominion authority was in the forefront of that home. I had to constantly keep on top of him to keep him from derailing. And I remember the day, he was six years old, and I said, Stephen, I was putting him to bed. I said, Stephen, you did not get a spanking today. (laughs) And we jumped and, and danced around that room, both of us. But even though the spanking part of it didn't show up that day, I guarantee you there were other flows of dominion. Get your hands off that. Don't touch that. Don't go over there. It was a consistent lifestyle of the exercise of dominion that kept my children safe. I haven't had problems with my children. When they got to teenage years, uh, there were things that tried to get out of place, but I was there to put it back. And so nothing ever went off track. Why? Because I paid attention. When things get off track, it's because we weren't paying attention with our authority and dominion to hold it in place. And just because things try to get out of order doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. One day in heaven, a perfect society, things try to get out of order. And Lucifer... That was his good name. He's lost his good name. Uh, He tried to get out of order and love rose up. God is love. And love rose up and said, not here and kicked him out. And Jesus said, I watched him fall. He fell like lightning. Why? That's how quick God was with his authority and dominion. The quicker you are with your authority and dominion, the safer the place of your life is. The safer your children are, the safer your marriage is, the safer your business is. Every single day of your life, exercise yourself in dominion and authority. Because something's going to challenge it every day. Praise the Lord. Um, What we don't resist has the permission to stay. And just by failing to resist it gives it permission. 
to have a place. And I want to read you something, if I could. This is Dad Hagen. He made this statement. He said, back in the 1940s, I asked myself the question, do we have authority that we don't know about, that we haven't discovered that we're not using? I had little glimpses of spiritual authority once in a while. Like others, I had stumbled upon it and had exercised it without knowing what I was doing. I wondered, is the Spirit of God trying to show me something? So I began to study along this line, think along this line, feed along this line, and I began to see more and more light that we as a church have authority on the earth that we have never yet realized, authority that we're not using. A few of us have barely gotten to the edge of that authority, but before Jesus comes again, Listen to this. There's going to be a whole company of believers who will rise up with the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs. They will do the work that God intended that they should do. How about us be that company? How about us? Why not us? I said, why not us be that company? Amen. Uh, It's there for the taking. We were made for dominion. We were made for authority. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, we'll start reading. Just for time's sake, we won't read the whole passage, but Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Of course, this is part of something that Paul prayed that God would give unto the believers the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of their spirits being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. So what does all that mean? What do all those words mean? It means simply this, that they would know who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, and what they can do because they're in Christ. That's basically what that wording is, that you would know who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. And then he said in verse 19, portion of it here, the ending of verse 19, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Look at this, far above, far above. Our dominion is to put us far above the circumstances of life, far above them. Far above all principality, far above all power, far above all might, far above all dominion, and far above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This power that's in our direction, what it did for Jesus, it raised him far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. Why? Because all of those evil powers, all of those different levels, ranks of demons, they opposed his raising. It was a dog pile in hell of every single rank of demons trying to hold him back, but power raised him past all of it. Far above. All power, all might, all dominion. All these tried to restrain and hold back Hold him down in the regions of hell. Yes. But power was far greater. Yes. And that's the power that's ours. Yes. Not only did it do that, but it put all things under his feet. It gave him to be the head over all things to the church. It, it made that power raised him to be the head. Yes. 
And then that power was given to the church. It's a shared authority that we have. This dominion, this authority is not won by us. It's what was won in Christ. And then he shares, it's a shared seat of authority that is ours. And then look down in Ephesians chapter two, just a few verses down. Ephesians two, verse four. For God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus occupies the seat of authority at the right hand of God. We aren't lined up in a bunch of chairs next to him. We're in the same seat. Come on. Because the body and the head sit in the same location. He's the head. We're the body. We have a shared authority. The same dominion the head have is shared with the body. Why? Because the head can only carry out the dominion through the body. If you were to get up and say, I'm going to go after this service and go back and go back and get a drink of water, I'd like to see your head do that without your body. <laughs> your head decides it, but your body fulfills it. Your head plans it, but the body fulfills it. The head has the authority to plan it, but the body has the authority to fulfill it. Yes. What the father planned, you had the dominion to fulfill it. It's going to take authority to fulfill everything that's planned by the head. Yes. So when he wants something done, you're authorized by the head with the exact same authority that the head holds. Think of it. Now we saw how he operated on the earth. When, when Jesus' earthly ministry was here among men, we saw him use his dominion and his authority. When him and the devil were on the same scene at the same time, he didn't leave till the devil's gone. He didn't leave the devil the last one standing. Jesus is always the last one on the scene. That devil's coming out. That person's raising up. I'm talking about when somebody had faith to move with him. His dominion was, was unexcelled. Amen. Nothing came near his dominion. That's what we have. He showed us how to exercise dominion. Our walk should look like his walk. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The devil just doesn't want Christians to know it. He doesn't want you to know that everything Jesus worked, you can work. Why? Because you had the exact same authority that the head carries. The exact same. Yes. He wants you to think you're lesser than. You're in Christ. Yes. You are one with him. You were made for dominion. You were made to move with the head. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the devil seeks to hinder people from getting this. He wants them to try to handle it mentally. Listen, I, when I talk about dominion and authority, I'm not talking about your personality. I'm not talking about someone who's aggressive in their personality. I'm not talking about someone that's overly opinionated. And so they dominate things through that flow. I'm talking about a, a, a force of your spirit. This dominion is a force that flows out of your spirit and starts holding things in check in your life. And do not sell out your dominion to a passive personality. Well, you know, Pastor Nancy, I'm just not, I'm just not aggressive. I'm just not assertive. We're not talking about your personality. And you better quit, quit letting your personality lead your life. All your personality is to do is to color your life, not lead it. You're led by the word and the spirit. And when the word tells you to resist the devil, you better step over your personality that wants to be passive. 
Anytime you're going to obey God, you're going to have to step past your flesh. You're going to have to go past, step over your flesh. Because if we're talking about personality, I never should have been pastor. I never should have been a pastor. If we're talking about personality. Why? Because I'm not an aggressive type person. I sound aggressive, but that's just, just an anointing. That's not my personality. That's not my personality. I'm not confrontational. I'm not an in-your-face, tell-you-off kind of person. I just, I don't have problems with people. I don't have conflicts. I just don't. You know? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, now, I was married to a man who loved confrontation. I mean, confrontation was a strong flow of his personality. It was a strong flow of his personality. I'm not talking about the dominion of Christ coming through him. I'm talking about his personality. When you couldn't get something done and couldn't get a result, he'd say, hand me that phone. He could always get it done because he was confrontational. I was not that way. I'm not confrontational. But to be pastor, I had to step past my flesh. Come on. To keep this congregation safe, I will confront. Come on. Even though it's not part of my temperament, I will straighten your corkscrew. Why? Because I'm going to have to stand before Jesus for what comes into this, into this church. And I knew this. I'm called to this church. This is my assignment. You can come and go. I can't. And I'm not going to let you wreck a place I can't leave. Come on. I don't have an aggressive personality, but I'm a very clear thinker. I'm not, I'm not feeble up here. I see clearly. And I know I've got to live here. And you can throw a, you can throw a stink bomb in this congregation, cause a mess and pick up and leave the door, out the door and I'm left with a mess. That's not happening. Because I can't leave and you're not wrecking the place that I'm called to. And as a pastor, I walked in love. But one flow of love is correction. Right. One flow of love is confrontation. You say, well, I just don't think that's right. Has God ever confronted you? Yeah. We've all been to, we've all been to, the, to the whooping shed sometime. And if you haven't, you, you've not been very sensitive to his voice. Because that is one flow of love to keep the family safe and to keep you safe. And he whom the Lord loves, he... Correction is a flow of love. And if you want to walk in your dominion and correct what needs to be corrected, you're out of the love of God. And I know as a pastor, I, 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 I honor what God has given me the oversight of. And believe me, there has never been one time in 25 years that I should have dealt with something that I didn't. Not based on personality, based on what the Word led me to do, what the Spirit led me to do. I'm, I live my life Word-led and Spirit-led, not personality-led. And if you're going to lead your life by your personality, the devil will walk all over your family, walk all over your life, because if you're going to be passive... When you're faced with demon forces, they're not passive. They would love for you to confront them based on your personality. Because personality never wins in the face of demons. You better walk in divine authority. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the devil doesn't want you to know the authority you have. And he wants you to act like you're not walking in love if you use your authority. But the only way you can keep a church family safe and a natural family safe is by walking in dominion when you're the one that's got the authority. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll just quote it to you. John 8, 32 says, Jesus made this statement, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It doesn't say you'll know your own personality traits. You know the truth. And it's the truth you apply that, that 
it helps you and enables you to walk in a life of freedom, free from things that trip you up, free from things that would like to rob you of the plan of God in your life. Amen. And then Hosea 4, 6, and I'll just quote it again. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The devil wants to keep you ignorant about your dominion. To keep you ignorant about your dominion, he wants to keep you unskillful with your dominion. Amen. Amen. This dominion you have to be skillful at. It's, not, it's, it's one thing to have it, but if you're not good with it, it's as though you don't have it. If you're not skillful with it, it's as though you don't have it. Remember what the, the word says? Now, and people, I've, I heard recently somebody say this, which is not true. They said, well, when we all stand before Jesus, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I go, oh, no, 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 no. You, you wrong on that. Well, and, and people will, or people will hear that statement and they'll say, I just want to be faithful to the Lord. That's not what that statement says. That's not what that statement puts first. What that statement says is, well done, thou good. If you're not good at your job, no employer needs you. That's right. Right? How are you good at your job? You got skill. You're skillful in your position. It's not enough to be hired. You better get some skill. Yes. Because if there's cutbacks, the ones with the least skill leave first. Yes. Well done, thou good. Well done, thou good. Yes. You know, you can have people show up. They're faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful. And people focus on faithful. Well, I just won't be faithful. But who wants you to show up faithfully and do it wrong? <laughs> Every time you show up, you're, you're faithful to do it wrong. Who needs an employee like that? I've had that in the past. Fired them. Because they didn't think that they needed any skill because God made a place for them on the, min, on the, on the, on the ministry staff so they thought that they're in. It's skill that God needs once you're in. God needs skill. He needs us skillful with our dominion. Not just having it, skillful with it. So we could quote it this way, might help us a little bit. Well done, thou skillful and faithful servant. Because without skill, uh, you're not going anywhere. Doesn't matter what you got. How many people, how many, do you want to be in the car with somebody that a parent just loved their child so much, just loved them so much, they gave them the fastest car out there? But they sure, don't, they sure never learn how to drive it. Baby, don't, don't get in the car with that. You might have the best out there. But if you don't have any skill with it, you're dangerous to yourself and everybody around you. The dominion and the authority that we have is the highest in the universe. But it doesn't matter if it is, if we're not skillful with it. That's right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Lord. Believers aren't destroyed because of the devil. Believers are destroyed due lack of skill with what's made theirs in Christ. It's not about how many scriptures can you quote. It's how skillful are you with those scriptures in the face of circumstances. One uh, instructor that taught at Rama Healing School years ago made this statement, said, you know, that, that they would have a plan of teach, a course of teaching that they would follow there in healing school. And he said, the week that we would teach on the authority in Christ, he said, nearly every single one of those people would end up in the hospital that week. Why? Because once they're being taught their authority and they start using it, the devil pushes back against them. He's wanting to make them think that their authority doesn't work for them. Well, do we have scriptural basis for that? What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not bowing. We're not bowing. In the face of a hot furnace. And the king said, heat it seven times hotter. Right. What are they trying to do? Trying to make them change and back up. Yes. Yeah. Every time you go to use your authority, the devil will try to back you up on that. Yes. But skill knows, I don't back up. 
I don't back up. On what the Spirit of God is leading me to do, I put my authority on that thing. Amen. Amen. So just because circumstances escalate doesn't mean authority is not yours. It's still yours. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? do? They, they, they just stood there doing the same thing. We still have Alan. They changed nothing about what they believed. They changed nothing about what they said. When circumstances, opposing circumstances escalate, it's trying to get you to change something of what you believe, trying to get you to change something of what you say. But dominion doesn't have to change anything. Not changing. It's like this. If you just parents, every parent, saved or unsaved, have a a built-in parental authority that's theirs the moment that child's born or before that child is born, they have an authority over that, that child. If they laid that authority down, because I've seen a lot do, authority never lays motionless. Somebody will pick it up. If you won't, somebody will. It should be the one authorized to be holding it. How many times have kids been running home why? Because the parent laid down authority. A child picked it up. And started through temper tantrums, throwing fits, slamming doors, rolling their eyes. Oh, you just roll your eyes at my mama. We starting a marble game now is what we're going to do. Just, the silent defiance was worse than the verbal. From her. I mean, whenever we did that, brother, that the penalty for that silent defiance, the rolling of the eyes, the stomping of the foot. So if you've let a child be the boss for any period of time, you go back in and you realize the mistake you made and you say, you know what, this is changing. You know what that child's gonna do? It's not gonna say, Oh mama, I'm sorry, and hand it to you. They're gonna kick back. That's exactly what the devil does. If you've been laying down and then you go to pick up your authority, he'll kick back, but you let him kick because you're still authorized. You're still in charge. And you don't lay that back down. And we've all laid down to some things we shouldn't have laid down to. Let's pick it back up because we're the one that it's made to fit. Hallelujah. I will say this, James 4 verse 7 tells us this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. If you're resisting the devil and he's not fleeing, don't question your authority, question your submission. What's that mean? Obey God. That's what submit means, obey him. What is he dealing with you about? If you're resisting the devil and nothing is changing, don't question your authority because your authority is yours. God never takes it back. You're made for it. Question, am I obeying? Because my, my authority only works when I'm, obedience to, when I'm in obedience to the one who gave it to me. Submit to God. Obey him. What is he dealing with you about? If he's dealing with you about something, you just keep pushing it down, keep pushing it to the back, acting like he's not dealing with you. And then things are getting out of place and you go to use your authority and it doesn't work. It's not that the devils don't, don't recognize your authority. It's not that you don't have authority. It's just that it's not going to work right. The authority that is not there to help you disobey. We have to obey. Listen, every day of your life, God's dealing with you about something. I don't care. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been in the ministry. I don't care how long you've been working at that position of ministry of helps. Every day, God's dealing with you about something. Why? Because he's bringing us into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. He's maturing us. And part, the, a, a key part of that maturity process is he's dealing with us every, all the time. Every season of your life, he's dealing with you about something. Yes. If you kick against that and then try to use your authority against the devil, it's not going to work. That's right. Amen. Submit to God. Submit to him. Obey him. 
What's he dealing with you about? And you say, well, Pastor Nancy, I mean, I could do so much better. Listen, we all could do so much better. And the word is vast. And it's like, how do I know which part? What is he dealing with you about? He'll, I'm telling you, he's spotlighting to you what you need to put in place in this season of your life. What needs to be fortified in this season. Pay attention to what he's dealing with you about. Don't just randomly grab something out of the Bible and say, well, I should do this or I should do this. You should do what he's dealing with you about. And then when you do, you use your authority. It works. Praise the Lord. You are authorized to live as though you have no enemy because he is totally defeated. And Jesus has made you master. Now be master. Be masterful. Be skillful in the exercise of your authority. We got to be around Dr. Summerall. He was my husband's pastor for 15 years. And then, of course, I married Ed and got to be around this precious man of God who walked in a measure of dominion that I've never seen equaled. Now, I'm sure other generations, there have been men like him, but I've never seen anybody of this generation with the dominion like he walked in. And uh, we were, we had gone overseas. We'd gone to Israel with him. He took, always every year, he took a big crew of ministers and other, other, you know, just believers that wanted to go with him to Israel because he'd lived there two years. He knew his way around there. He knew the history. He was, he was quite an authority on that land. And uh, he told us this when we were on the bus with him. There were around 600 or so ministers on the, this particular trip, and we were on his bus with him. And he told us the story that there was this one pastor that had, he was in his late 20s, and he had just been recently married, that year, and uh, this woman that he married, she had something wrong that they never quite, the doctors were never quite able to locate what it was, but she would get headaches so bad that were beyond migraines. And she would get headaches so bad she'd just sit on the edge of the bed and just scream. She couldn't sleep, she couldn't lay down, she couldn't walk, she couldn't sit up, she'd just sit there and just scream. The pain was so bad. So they'd have to rush her to the emergency room when that would happen. And the only way they could get a relief is they'd just knock her out for several days. Whatever it was that they gave her. There, there was no like a medication that would cause it to lessen. They'd just have to knock her out until it passed. And they'd been doing that for months and months and months and months. Well, they made the trip with us to Israel and, the, and we arrived early one morning. And we were to meet there on Dr. Summerall's bus. And he told us this, that he got a phone call from this couple that was, they checked into their hotel room. And when they got checked in, they were unpacking in the room. This headache struck her. And she was sitting on the side of the bed screaming. And you know, it's bad when you're in another country too. That adds another hurdle to that. So they called Dr. Summerall. And they said, Dr. Summerall, would you come to our hotel room and pray for her? He said, yes, I will. Now, this, pa- this was a pastor, him and his wife, and Dr. Summerall was their pastor. So it matters who your pastor is. Yes. It matters. And Dr. Summerall came, knocked on the door. The pastor went and opened the door. And the moment he opened the door the headache just suddenly stopped. Dr. Summerall hadn't walked in. Dr. Summerall hadn't prayed. He hadn't laid his hand on her. The door was just opened. The devil knows when the door is open to someone who has skill with authority. He doesn't want to be there because he flees as in terror. It's a terror to him. Someone who not only has dominion but is skillful at the exercise of that dominion is a terror to hell. John Osteen said that years ago when pastoring, he had a dream or a vision, one of the two, and he saw a herd of demons walking down a residential street. And the demon that was in charge of all these lower level demons, because they come, there's rankings of powers. 
And so this demon that had charge over these lower ranking demons, they were walking just down the street and uh, this demon would say to these lower ranking ones under him, he'd say, you two go into that house. And you two go in. And he was assigning his ranks into that neighborhood. And just as they would walk by the houses, those demons would just go in and start causing conflict and turmoil and difficulty in those homes. And as they were walking, uh, it was noticed by one of the other demons in the pack that he would, this leading demon, this this commanding demon over them, there was a house over here that he didn't give any command to. He said, keep walking. (laughs) And the lower ranking one said, don't you want us to go in that house? He said, there's somebody in there who knows how to use the name against you. You don't want to go in there. They were afraid of someone with skill with their dominion and their authority. It's not just someone who has it, someone who uses it skillfully. So when that hotel room door was open to Dr. Summerall, that demon did not want to be anywhere near. So see, the, the better you know and the more skillful you are with your dominion, the more the devils leave you alone. They don't find an audience with you. They don't get petted at bedtime. You don't take them to bed with you. Think their thoughts. Put up with their, their, their influences. You recognize. You recognize when things aren't in God's flow. And you don't permit it. The longer you leave something in, the longer it takes it to get it out. But even though you've let something in, get it out and keep kicking till it's gone. I love what one pastor said. He went to the doctor and he was, and he's a country guy, country pastor. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, pastor, you've got cancer. And this pastor went home and he said, devil, you done got on the wrong donkey. Because <laughs> you know what a donkey does. If he don't want you on, he bucks and 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 he bucks. He doesn't just lay down and let you ride him. When, he just, when a donkey decides you ain't riding, you ain't riding. <laughs> you need to be the most skillful donkey in the pack. We'd go out. You could see daddy had, my dad was a cotton and wheat farmer. At times he had cattle. He'd go out and check on his cattle and you'd see sometimes out there a donkey with him. Daddy, what's that donkey for? He said, well, if, if coyotes come up and they come after a calf, he said, the donkey will go over there and kill them. He said, because a donkey will kick till they're dead. <laughs> you don't just kick till they're tired. <laughs> he said, he keeps my calves safe because a cow doesn't have the same defense. They can't kick the same way. But he said, a donkey will kick till you're dead. It doesn't take very many kicks. That's what, when they opened the hotel room door, they had a donkey there that can kick till you're dead. (laughs) When he went to the Philippines and God talked to Dr. Summerall and he, uh, he was pastoring in South Bend, Indiana and God spoke to him after a Sunday morning service and said, I want you to go to the Philippines, Manila, Philippines, and I'm gonna do more for you there than I've ever done for you anywhere else. And he'd been all over the world at that time. He went down and told Sister Summerall, we're moving to the Philippines. She said, when are you telling church? He said, tonight, we're leaving tomorrow. He says, I've learned when God tells me to do something, I don't wait for the sale of a house or the sale of property to give me permission to do what God said. I'm doing what God said. He didn't wait for a house to sell, property to sell. He picked up and they were gone the next day, moved to Manila, Philippines. For the first six months, he tried as he could to gather a congregation. He'd be out on the streets preaching and witnessing to people. People would say they got saved and he'd get their address from them and he'd get to the address to visit them 
and uh, be a bogus address. And that happened for six months, and at the end of six months, it's just still him and his family. He's preaching to them. He's passing the offering bucket, making the announcements, <laughs> passing the same $20 around in the offering, I guess. <laughs> and one day God spoke to him and says, I want you to build an auditorium that seats 10,000 people. He said, God, I can't even get 10. <laughs> God said, I want you to do it. So he bought an old World War II hanger turned it into a, an auditorium. And in the midst of that, he was at home and listening to the radio. And an announcer came on and said, if you've got a weak heart, turn down the volume of your radio. So Dr. Sumrall got up and went over and turned it up. <laughs> and they said, we have arrested a little 17-year-old girl off the streets who was uh, for, for prostitution. And ever since she's been here, something, an unseen force has been biting her body and leaving wound marks all over her body. And, and they said, she pronounces something and it comes to pass. A doctor told her that she was just making it up. And she pointed at him and said, and you'll die. And in 24 hours, he was dead. The warden came and hit at her. And she pointed her finger at him and said, you'll die. And in 24 hours, he was dead. So at her word, people in that prison were dropping dead. So you can imagine they were frightened because they knew that there was some demon force at work here and they didn't have the know-how to deal with it. So they said, if there's anyone out there that can help us, come and see us, we need help. And God spoke to Dr. Summerall and said, I want you to go set that girl free. And Dr. Summerall, being new in the country, now see, there's Christian churches over there, oh, yeah. the Catholic Church. I mean, there's all kinds of denominations. They're not, an, they're not an unreached people. Yeah. And he knew that there were all kinds of denominations over there. And God said, I want you to go set that girl free. And Dr. Summerall, only having been there six months, he said, he answered in this, he said, get somebody else. He was meaning... Get someone who's established, yes. someone who the people would know. They don't even know me here. And this was God's answer to him. I don't have anyone else. Now, see, there's people over there saved. Yep. There's pastors. Yep. There's people over there who love God. What's he mean when he says, I don't have anyone else? Every one of them that are saved had dominion and authority. What's he mean? I don't have anyone else who has skill. So Dr. Sumrall went, and that girl got set free. He put her in with a Christian family. She ended up being the wife of a pastor. She got married to a pastor just a few years down the road, and she was completely set free. Why? Because one man knew his authority. He was skillful with what he was made for. Out of that, there were 100,000 people that got saved. It filled up that 10,000-seat auditorium. Every Bible on the island was sold. They could not get their hands. They had warehouses full of Bibles before that. But God, God told Dr. Summerall, and he said to the man who ran that Bible Institute over there, he said, you're, how many Bibles you got? He says, I got warehouses full of them. He says, you're going to run out of them. And they ran out on that island of Bibles. They didn't have any more. There were so many salvations. An entire island turned to God because one man knew his authority. Skill with his authority. Skill with his authority. Hallelujah. Dad Hagen was another man who knew his authority. He traveled by car preaching in his road meetings years and years ago. And on one trip he was to make, there was a pastor friend of his that was going to go with him. And this pastor was a diabetic. And when the pastor got in the car to make the trip with him, Dad Hagen looked at him and said, as long as you're with me, you'll never register sugar. You'll never need an insulin shot as long as you're with me. He said, that stuff doesn't have permission to function around me. 
Now, can you go and use your authority any way you want? No, 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 no. Your authority always works in your life and in those that are under your life. Those that are under your authority. You can always, any time, use your authority. But when it comes to somebody else, you have to have the leading of the Spirit. But when that pastor stepped into his car, he stepped into his domain. So when somebody's in your realm, the Bible says that we are to reign. Reign in life. R-E-I-G-N, right? (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. We're to reign in life. Reign over circumstances. Reign over our domain. Not pushing to get your way, but seeing to it that the word's fulfilled. See, you, you are, see when, so, when somebody tries to act like they're in dominion through the flesh and through the mind, they just turn mean. They're just mean. And say, bless God, I'm in dominion. No, you're mean because you're carnal. Come on. This dominion and authority puts you in charge enforcing the word, not enforcing your opinion. Not enforcing it gets done my way. Bless God, I'm the head of the house. It's going to be the way I say. No, that's not dominion and authority. You're carnal. We're in charge to enforce the word in our life, in our homes, in our families. And when that pastor got into Dad Hagen's car, he was now in his realm. As a king and a priest unto God, Dad Hagen has a realm. You have a realm. And when somebody comes in your realm, you're authorized to say, that's not functioning while you're in my realm. I mean, when my kids would have friends to come over, and I realized that not everybody, every home had the same system. I mean, my mother taught me that early on. When we brought friends home, they, they danced to her rules. They didn't act the way they acted in their home. They acted the way they acted in her home. And so when my, my boys would have friends over, guess what? My rules are King Kong. I don't care what your mom allows you to do. That doesn't mean anything here because you're, you're in my realm. As a parent, you have that right. Well, as a believer with the authority of Christ, when something comes in your realm, it's up to you to establish what is permissive and what is not permissive. Remember what Jesus said, what you bind shall be bound. What you loose shall be loosed. And when people say to God, accusing him of not bailing them out and showing up for them, God, why'd you let this happen? And he would have to say, why'd you let it happen? Because God permits what you permit. God allows what you allow. Why? Because Jesus said, what things ever you bind on earth, look at this, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice this, the action begins on earth, not in heaven. The action is initiated on the earth. And when you initiate your authority on the earth, heaven will back you up. That's what it means. Heaven will back you up. Amen. So when that, that pastor got in Dad Hagen's car, he was in his realm, in his dominion. He's now under his dominion. And that pastor said for the whole time he was with him, for weeks and weeks, he said, I never registered sugar. And he said, I ate every dessert that they served. And he said, I never registered sugar the whole time. And he said it was 11 days after getting back home before I even started registering sugar again. So there was a, there was a residue. There was a residue that when he got back home, there was a residue of that authority, still the anointing of that authority. Still working in behalf of this pastor. And the pastor realized, well, if he can use that much authority and work my healing while he's in his presence, I'm going to use my own authority over my own body. And he ended up receiving his healing after decades of having been a diabetic. Why? Because when one man demonstrated skill with authority, it brought another man into operating his own dominion. Are you helped tonight? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Father, we thank you for the light of dominion, the authority that is ours. We take our place. 
we take our place. We take our place in the seat of authority, in the seat of dominion. It's a shared seat. It's Christ's authority, Christ's victory that he made ours. And we take it. And we change the whole landscape and complexion of our life. We thank you for that authority. Just raise up your hands and worship him tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it. Can you think of some things that you can think and say, you know something, I've let some things get out of place. I've let some things just go a little too far. I've let some things just go a little bit too unguarded. I've not paid attention like I should. I've not noticed like I should. Can I tell you this? Your authority is still yours. You didn't lose it. Even though you might have laid it down, you're authorized to pick it back up. And I don't care if it's been for 10 years. I don't care if it's been for 20 years. You were still made for that authority and it still fits you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you might need to go back to your house tonight and say, devil, I just, I woke up. I just woke up a little bit. Yeah, I just woke up. And your playtime in my life and my house is done. Amen. Your playtime in my body and my finances and my children, it's done. It's done. Amen. And if, he, if, if you get some pushback and things seem to accelerate against you, that's a sure sign he's afraid. Why did King Nebuchadnezzar heat the furnace seven times hotter? Wouldn't a regular one work? When he accelerates and, and increases something against you, it's afraid that what he has ain't going to quite work when he sees you exercise your authority. It's a show of fear. And don't you show him any fear. Amen. Show yourself to be dominating instead of being the dominated one. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you glory and honor for your word. And we're not hearers only. We're doers. We're doers of your word. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, thank you, Pastor. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.